Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. This week, I am so excited to have pediatric dermatologist Dr. Sheila McGinnis joining me to discuss how to optimize the care of your baby's skin. Anyone who's ever taken care of a newborn or a small baby can probably relate. These little new life forms and creatures in our lives can sometimes make us feel like we have no idea what we're doing and you're scared to do the wrong thing and there's so much information and misinformation out there. It can be tricky to know what you should do and what you shouldn't. So Dr. McGinnis is going to break down how to take care of your baby's skin, and I love how she does it in such a clear, concise way, and spoiler alert, it doesn't have to be complicated. Dr. McGinnis is a board-certified dermatologist as well as pediatric dermatologist. She is an associate professor of dermatology and pediatrics at the University of Minnesota, She is the mom to two active boys and co-founder of Strike Club, which is a personal care brand for teen boys. Dr. Sheila is active on social media where she enjoys sharing common sense information all about pediatric dermatology. Definitely a dermatologist after my own heart. All right, let's dive in. Dr. McGinnis, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mina. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yes. So I have introduced you briefly already to the audience, but if you could just, in your own words, summarize for us what you do and your training and where you work. Okay. So I am a pediatric dermatologist and pediatric dermatology is a board certified subspecialty of dermatology. You have to do a little extra training to become board certified in caring for the skin needs of children. I have a very busy, mostly academic practice in Minneapolis. I'm also the mom of two energetic boys And then I'm also the co-founder of Strike Club, which is a personal care brand directed at boys. Aren't babies and children, aren't they just little adults? Do we really need a different skincare regimen for them? 
they are definitely not just little adults. <laughs> they have a lot of unique features that require special care. So one thing I always talk about with new moms and dads coming into the clinic is don't forget that your baby's skin is really still maturing. You know, even the stratum corneum, the epidermis, it really doesn't mature till about two or three months of life. And then even into toddlerhood, even two years of age. And the unique considerations for baby skin is that it's actually thinner and less able to regulate its heat, so thermal regulation, and less able to retain water. So there's a lot more water loss and heat loss through the skin of babies. Another special consideration is that babies have a higher body surface area to weight ratio. You've all seen that babies look like they have a giant head, and really that's because the surface area of their body is much greater than their weight. And that's an important consideration when we're applying things to baby skin because they are much more likely with the thinner skin and with the higher body surface area to absorb those things into their system. So they have higher rates for potential toxicities from things we apply to their skin. I do remember that from training, certainly that, you know, when you put topical things on children, what may not be harmful in an adult could be because they have that greater surface area to weight. That's correct. And I think it deserves special consideration when we think about all of the things in the supermarket and drugstore aisle that are marketed towards babies. Say for the first few months of life, what should a new parent be doing to take care of their baby's skin? There are no clinical randomized control trials that are going to tell us exactly what to do. And I wish those studies existed. But all we have in this area for newborn skincare are really evidence-based best practices. And I kind of want to go through, you know, step-by-step step what I counsel my new moms and dads in clinic. And number one, I think, is that it's important to bathe your child, your baby. Bath time can be a really wonderful time of bonding, of massage, and an immersion tub bath is actually preferable to sponge bathing or just kind of dampening the child with, with cloths because that lukewarm water actually helps the baby regulate its body temperature. So an immersion tub bath, even right away, you know, the technical recommendation from the AAP is, you know, after the umbilical stump falls off, it's safe to do an immersion tub bath. So even in the first week to two weeks of life, you can be getting into this nice routine. So an immersion bath with lukewarm water, and then a gentle cleanser is absolutely fine to use. And by gentle cleanser, I mean one that's not a soap, one that's not too alkaline, and there are many great choices for gentle cleansers on the market. Should we specifically look for something marketed to babies? I would say that the baby aisle does have some great options. And so you're looking for a gentle cleanser that is hypoallergenic, fragrance-free, and claims to be dermatologist tested. That's how you know you're getting something that isn't going to be prone to irritating the baby. Got it. And you don't need the cleanser every time, you know, just when the baby's dirty or in skin folds or the diaper area, you can sort of limit the amount of soap or cleanser that you're using, which I also think is a good plan. And do you recommend doing this every day? So I think every other day is very adequate in the first few months of life. That changes, however, if you end up having a baby that's prone to eczema or atopic dermatitis. 
because those babies even further have difficulty maintaining the water in their skin. So in those babies, sometimes it makes a lot of sense to do a bath every day, soak that water in, and then keep it there by applying a bland moisturizer. What about shampooing and washing the scalp or hair if your baby has hair? What, what are your recommendations on that? I'm glad you asked this, Dr. Mina, because I think a common mishap is that in these infant tubs, not the entire baby is soaking. Obviously, you can't really submerge the head and neck. So I find that the, the scalp and the face often get missed. And so one troubleshooting idea that parents could, could try would be to get a damp washcloth and make sure they're getting water on the baby's face and scalp regularly, even putting that little cloth right on the head just to make sure the scalp gets fully soaked as well. Because ultimately, bathing is really the act of your skin taking in water. And as it does that, it expands. And the top layer with dead skin cells and microbes on the skin, that naturally exfoliates off. If you don't bathe your infant frequently enough, we can start to see that cradle cap on the scalp building up as the scalp kind of gets neglected and not soaked adequately. I shouldn't maybe admit this to a pediatric dermatologist, but when my son was a baby, I wasn't washing behind one of his ears very well. I think it was just me being right-handed and, and the ear and all that. And uh, a, a couple of weeks later, I look and I thought, oh my gosh, he had all this retention keratosis from water not getting in there and, and washing away all those dead skin cells. So I can totally imagine how that could happen to the whole scalp and face as well. Yes, it's really common. And when we see children who have cradle cap, or sometimes we call that seborrheic dermatitis, it can even sometimes be a first sign of skin barrier dysfunction or the findings that we tend to see with children who are more prone to developing eczema or atopic dermatitis. So I'm always a fan of that idea of, for babies, the immersion tub bath, that soak and then a smear of a bland, hypoallergenic, fragrance-free moisturizer, you know, really from head to toe to kind of lock that water in and prevent the water from evaporating from the skin surface, because that's really how the baby ends up getting over-dried or drying out, is if you bathe them with a lot of soap and you're not moisturizing on top of it, that's what can lead to dryness. But if you bathe and then trap the water in with a moisturizer, that's a really effective way to kind of help the baby's skin barrier, being that it's not fully mature yet. The moisturizer will absorb better if you do it when their skin is slightly damp or right after a bath. Is that right? Exactly. All right. Now, I know some parents with a newborn will be pretty distressed if their baby has infantile acne. Do you have any tips for that? Is that from perhaps not washing well enough? Why do babies get this and, and how can a parent treat that? That is a great question, Dr. Mina. And I have a lot of friends text me photos of their newborns that are struggling right around that two to four week of age with baby acne. So let me explain what's happening there. So baby acne, much like the cradle cap or seborrhea that we just talked about, is often due to the overgrowth of a type of yeast on the skin, and it's called malassezia. 
And if your baby has a little malassezia, it can develop some redness or inflammation as a kind of host response to that microbe on the skin. And then I want to bring you back to the bathing because when we bathe daily to every other day and we make sure that we're thoroughly getting water on and cleansing the face, we're naturally cleansing away some of that malassezia. So another reason, you know, to think about incorporating regular baths in newborn skincare. And there are other, certainly other treatments for, for baby acne if it becomes really noticeable or more severe and red or with the little bumps or pustules that you see. Certainly your doctor can provide a prescription for a topical antifungal. Those can be really helpful, reducing the number of those, you know, yeast species on the skin, but also the skin barrier repair with applying a bland moisturizer, even something like plain petroleum jelly or Vaseline can be really effective for baby acne. Yeah, that it seems almost counterintuitive that that might clog the pores. But again, being able to lock in that moisture is so critical. I know when I was a new parent, you know, you get worried putting water on your baby's face. You don't want to submerge them, especially when it's your first child. So I think it's important for parents to know that actually it's helpful to let water wash over their face and their scalp. And we really should be doing that for their skin. Yes. And sometimes that's news to parents because I think you know, there's just such a variety of bathing practices out there. It's always helpful for me to ask my, to ask families, well, how are you bathing your child? And just kind of get to the bottom of it. And even though it seems kind of basics, it, it can be really important. Yeah, it's, <laughs> this is all great advice. So once they're out of the bath, then you smear on their thick moisturizing cream to retain the moisture. Is there anything else we should be doing or parents should be doing to take care of their baby's skin at that early age? You know, honestly, Dr. Mina, that's the basics. I really live by the mantra of soak and smear and soak and smear, meaning the act of bathing and applying a bland moisturizer really helps with newborn skin, with a variety of skin conditions down the road. It's really the, you know, one of the flagship things that I, that I tell families. So there's nothing else extra that we tend to recommend putting on the baby's skin, because like we talked about before, sometimes those things, even though we mean well, can be irritating or harmful. And, you know, I guess I could, we could talk about fragrance and essential oils and preservatives and things that are really common in, in many products that are heavily marketed towards babies, like baby lotions, baby bubble bath, baby soap that foams excessively and is highly fragranced. Sometimes those things can do more harm than good to that gentle newborn skin. Yeah, absolutely. Less is more. I say this for adult skincare, but it's super important for babies. They don't need all this extra stuff. And in fact, it can harm their skin and be irritating. Yes. And there really is no FDA oversight into fragrance in the United States. So any product that has added fragrance you really don't have a great idea of what's in there. It could be thousands of different chemicals making up that unique scent. And, you know, the other thing is essential oils. They can be very irritating. They can be included as part of a fragrance. So one teaching point for families is when you're choosing your baby care, just make sure that you look for fragrance-free and hypoallergenic. And fragrance-free is actually different than unscented. I don't know if you've come across this, Dr. Mina, but products that just say 
unscented are still allowed to contain what's called a masking fragrance, meaning that the product probably doesn't smell very good. So they need a extra scent in there to kind of cover it up. So really, you need to be looking for that claim of fragrance free. You would think unscented would not have fragrances in it. So it's important to to know that distinction for sure. And, you know, let's be honest, babies smell so delicious anyways. Why would you want to cover that up with a scent? It's so true. You know, yet most baby care on the market does contain fragrance. So that's a sticking point with me. And I always try to steer people away from it. Because, you know, our babies do smell wonderful and they really aren't supposed to smell like lavender. Let's just, you know, be honest about this. The fragrance is for the moms. It's not because it's good for the baby's skin. What are your thoughts on baby wipes? That is also a great topic. So baby wipes are super convenient, very helpful. You you need them in the diaper bag. There's really no way around that, but they can be a source of irritation and they can contribute to diaper rash. So you're absolutely right. Even in your wipes, you should be looking for fragrance-free and hypoallergenic. And I'll take it one step further. A lot of baby wipes have within them surfactant. And a surfactant is really the cleansing item, the soap, the thing that foams when you have a cleanser or that's in a bubble bath. And if your wipe contains a surfactant, it's probably going to have more potential for irritation. So learning how to avoid those ingredients, staying away from extra botanical ingredients, essential oils and fragrance is really important, even in your baby wipe. When you're looking for surfactants, is that, will that be listed as an ingredient or will it say surfactant free on the packaging? It's a tricky topic. It does not say surfactant free, but you want to be looking for words like sodium lauryl sulfate or decyl glucoside. Those are really two common surfactants that are in baby wipes. Cocobetane is another name. In general, I think for a baby wipe, the shorter the list of ingredients, the better. So I'm a big fan of the water wipes and, and other things that are really basically 99.9% water. Yeah. And again, looking for those words, hypoallergenic, fragrance-free, sensitive skin, those can all uh, guide you to sort of the right section. It will. Yeah. Can you give us some quick tips and pearls about diaper rash? Because I know that is a big issue for parents. It is. It's a huge issue. So a couple of tips here. Starting and kind of going back with regular bathing and moisturizing, that skin barrier repair is really important. And then the diapered skin, you know, is super sensitive and it's occluded. And so the the urine and the stool are going to have really, you know, more acidic pH and they're going to interact with the skin and be very irritating and cause, you know, the inflammation that you see in diaper rash. And that's typically what occurs like on the bottom and on the convex areas. Most of the time diaper rash is irritant. And here are some things you can do to avoid it. So number one, of course, using a super absorbent diaper, changing diapers frequently, and using a good diaper barrier cream or ointment. And my two favorites for the diaper area are plain petrolatum, applied in a nice thick layer with every diaper change, or a zinc oxide-based ointment or barrier cream. Those both work nicely to help protect the skin from that urine and stool. Now, no talk between dermatologists can be complete without touching on sunscreen. 
So is sunscreen safe for these little ones? Yes. In general, sunscreen is safe, but this is also a nuanced conversation that that we should definitely touch upon. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, the AAP, recommends mineral-based sunscreen as being very safe for babies starting at around six months. So it's important to open up our discussion about sunscreen and sun protection by stating that sun protection for babies is much more than just sunscreen. It is seeking shade, it's using a canopy, it's a hat, it's protective clothing. All of those are really important, especially before six months when we can then start using a mineral-based sunscreen on exposed areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of parents, I do see a lot of parents are very good about, or they seem to be very good about protecting their their baby's skin. I see the the little canopy of the stroller up, or they're wearing little rash guards. I know for my kids, prior to six months, I really just kept them kind of out of the sun wearing a hat or wearing rash guards too. Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly what is recommended. And then around, you know, six months on exposed areas, mineral sunscreen is really safe and should be applied, especially if your your baby's going to be exposed to the sun or outdoors. And it should be applied to all exposed areas, face, back of hands. We sometimes forget the little hands, neck, ears, all of those places are really important not to miss. When you say mineral sunscreen, you are talking about the physical sunscreens like titanium and zinc oxide. I am. Yep. The two mineral sunscreens that are most commonly used are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And so for consumers out there, what you'll want to do is take a look at your sunscreen label. You'll want to flip it over, take a look, and at the top, it should say active ingredients. And for babies and even toddlers, I would make an argument for the active ingredients should only say zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Well, Dr. McGinnis, this has been a lot of fun and there's so many things we could keep talking about. We'll definitely have to have you back on to go over tons of other pediatric dermatology things. But can you just give us maybe your top three tips for new parents and how they can optimize the care of their baby's skin? Thank you, Dr. Mina. This has been so much fun. And yes, I'd love to share my top three tips. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you're going to know what I'm about to say. One of my top tips is don't be afraid to bathe your baby. Get that skin wet. Get that baby soaking. And water is enough to gently cleanse your baby. You don't always need a soap. But if you need one, choose one that is fragrance-free and hypoallergenic for those sensitive areas like the diaper and, you know, washing the hair. After you bathe your baby, a moisturizer that is hypoallergenic and fragrance-free can do a really great job locking in that water and helping to preserve that beautiful softness of your newborn baby's skin and help them prevent from over-drying or drying out. Another tip is really think about the baby products that you're investing in and make sure that they are free of added fragrance, they're hypoallergenic, and that they're dermatologist tested. Those are three great ways that should be on the labeling for you to tell that it's a safer product. And for our listeners, if they want to follow you or see what you're up to, how can they follow you on social media? I've been on TikTok for about two years, and I'm at Dr. Sheila. And then on Instagram, you can find me at dr.sheila.m. Great. I will include that in our show notes so our listeners can definitely find you. Thanks so much, Dr. McGinnis. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends. Thank you.